pushing back and feeling like they didn't belong and trying to ask questions but just not feeling like there was a place to ask those questions and they felt judged or betrayed or um, dismissed for having those questions and those concerns and, and worries. And fast forward several years and I started to have my children of my own. And of course, if you have kids, you know that'll put things in a whole new perspective. And so I started to think, okay, well, I do really want to figure this out. I want to figure out what this all is. I think I want my kids to be raised in the Christian faith. I think I want my kids to know God, and I definitely need a community, okay? And so I started to go back to church and try to figure out what that was for me. And so I'm doing this, like, spiritual journey on the side on my own, and meanwhile, I'm also like, okay, I should maybe take my kids to a VBS or drop them off at a Sunday school and, and figure out how to marry the two. But honestly, I was totally okay finding God on my own and not being a part of that community for myself, even though I wanted it for my kids. And so as I went, we, we tried small churches that met in schools and backyards, and we tried big churches that had big, amazing buildings. And I even went back to the church that I had grown up in as a kid, and every time I went, I just, I fell out of place. I felt like I couldn't fit in, I felt judged, um, and I just, I didn't feel safe. And so I was always eager to leave, eager to get back home, and it was just this over and over process that was, honestly, it was really defeating. I wish I could say that my experience was unique, but I don't think it is. In fact, I think it's way more common than we even realize. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been on one side or the other. Maybe you've been hurt by Christians or by the church. Maybe you have felt left out. You felt excluded or betrayed. Maybe, unintentionally, you've been the one doing the leaving out, the excluding, the hurting. And I think a lot of us have. I think it doesn't happen intentionally most of the time. If I look back to the people that made, that kind of led, contributed to me feeling that way, I don't think they were doing it on purpose. I don't think any of them intended for me to feel that way. And so, and, that, and we don't either, right? And so it's easy to kind of dismiss it and be like, well, I didn't, we didn't mean to let, make that person feel left out. I didn't mean to hurt that person. That wasn't my intention. And we can almost just dismiss it because we didn't mean to. But, but should we? Should we? Is it okay for us to dismiss something like this? And if you're a Christian, do we, can we even afford to be unintentional about this, about the way we're making people feel? Ultimately, the reality of our time right now is that fewer and fewer people are choosing to follow Jesus. And fewer and fewer people are walking away from the church, they're walking away from their faith, or they're not even giving it a, a thought in the first place. And it's heartbreaking. David Kinnaman did a massive study. He's an author and a researcher. He did this massive study on the perception of Christians and the church, and he found some really interesting things. He wrote a book called Unchristian. If this is kind of weighing on you or uh, something that you're interested in reading more about, I would definitely recommend reading that book. But he wrote this book, and in it he says that the perception, um, those outside of Christianity say that their emotional and intellectual barriers go up when they're around Christians, and that they reject Jesus because they have felt rejected by Christians. 
another person interviewed during this study, he, they asked him what he thought when he heard the word Christian. And he rattled off like a list of things that he, feel, that he believed that Christians are vehemently against. And then he said, they, Christians, only want to convert everyone, and they generally cannot live peacefully with those who do not believe what they believe. And if you're friends with me on social media, if you're here, um, you might have noticed that I have done my own like, attempts at social research. It's super fun. And so I've been doing these polls and asking questions and just trying to gather some feedback from the people in my network. And I asked people, what do you think the, the objective of the church and Christians in your community should be? And I got a ton of different responses back. It was really fun and interesting to see what people said. But one woman said, Christians and the church should help everyone, not just each other. And it broke my heart. I was like, oh, I wonder what her story is. I wonder where she's seen this in reality. Where has this played out in her life? Where the church or where Christians only looked out for each other and they didn't look out for just people. And you guys, it's not just these one, two, or three people. It's not just them. Up to 91% of people, when they were interviewed in these studies, said that they had negative perceptions of Christians. You know, I've learned a lot by reading and studying and researching this, and I've learned there's no perfect way to do church, definitely. There's no perfect building, there's no perfect worship team, there's no perfect way to preach. But those aren't the things that are keeping people from Jesus. It's not the building. It's not the worship team. It's not the preaching style. You guys, we are becoming known for what we hate and not who we love. That's what we should be known for is who we love. But instead, people are just, they just know us for what we hate. What's interesting is that when these same people were asked about the Christian faith or the Bible or Jesus, their, their reactions, their responses were less negative. They were more positive about all of that. But then when asked about Christians, they said that the words um, re- trusting, respectful, loving would not be descriptive at all. Ah, oh, right? Like, oh my gosh, it just, it just cuts you to the core. And so then I think, okay, well, Jesus said that Christians would be hated, right? I mean, he said we'd be hated for what we do, and he said we might even be persecuted. So maybe we don't need to worry about this. Maybe it's just par for the course. But I don't think that's true either. And actually, I think that God has a lot to say about our our relationships with other people. There's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't explicitly address, but this is not one of them. The Bible is very clear about our relationships with other people. In Galatians 3, 7 through 9, you can turn there or you can just check it out on the screen. Um, It's interesting. Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, and he says that Scripture has been telling them for a really long time that they have this blessing. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
Then he goes on in verse 29, and he says, If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heir to the, heirs according to the promise. You guys, so this is, he's referring to this promise back in Genesis 12, where God promised Abraham, you, you and your offspring will be a blessing to all of the nations. And that blessing was going to be Jesus, right? He was, he was foreshadowing all of that. But he wants, he then he ties it in, he says, well, if you are Christ, then you are also that offspring, and I want you to be a blessing outward. You guys, he wants to use us the same way he wanted to use Abraham and his descendants. He wants us to bless everyone. He wants us to bless outward. If you're here today and you don't normally go to church, maybe you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Um, There's a lot of things. I know there's a lot of different things, different points of view, and just things we can talk about as um, Christians and Christian faith. But I want you to know just one thing. I want you to know that our faith is built on a super simple foundation. Super simple. We believe that Jesus is the son of the living God and that he died and rose again for us. And we believe that he's called us to bless outward. People have been trying to complicate this forever, okay? So when Jesus was alive walking on earth, I love reading through the stories in the Gospels. If you take some time to read through them, they're hysterical, honestly. So funny. And one of the stories was um, somebody came and they asked Jesus, well, how do we get eternal life? And he's like, love God with everything you've got, okay, and love others. That's how simple it is, so basic. John, who is one of Jesus' disciples and one of his friends, he said, that this is the central message of Christianity. 1 John 3:16. this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he goes on to talk about what that even looks like. He says, if you have material possessions, and you see a brother or sister in need, but you don't have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Again, ouch, ouch, how can the love of God be in that person? He says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. He's basically saying, okay, God did this for you, and so now you go do this for everyone else, and that's it. I love that verse. I love that verse. But then my brain kind of tripped me up. I was like, okay, well, he says brothers. So is it only fellow Christians? Maybe we're only supposed to love in this way towards fellow Christians. But then I dig a little bit, and I read those really funny Gospels, and I read a story about, um, in Luke 10, and Jesus is talking to some people, and there's this expert, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he has a Jewish audience, right, and there's this expert in the law, so like a lawyer, okay, and they're trying to trip Jesus up, that's the point here, Um, great people, and he says, okay, what is the, he asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, Jesus, I imagine right about now, is kind of like, dude, you're a lawyer. Like, you know the law, okay? And he says, well, what does the law say? And the lawyer's like, well, and I would imagine he kind of sits up a little taller, you know, and speaks a little bit louder. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so then Jesus is like, bingo, do it. Do that. And 
the lawyer says, okay, but wait. Really? Really, dude? Wait? And he says, who is our neighbor? He's totally looking for a loophole. Right there. He's totally looking for a loophole. How often are we just like this lawyer? Anybody else in here love a good loophole? I love a good loophole, okay? And maybe, maybe the lawyer was like, you don't know my neighbor, okay? My neighbor is interesting. Anybody else have an interesting neighbor? Yeah, we all have an interesting neighbor. In fact, I'm going to tell you a story about one of my neighbors. Not one of my current neighbors. My current neighbors are so lovely. But um, one time, several years ago, we lived in a condo community. And... Um, it was, we didn't have a backyard, so we lived right up against this like grassy kind of bank. And my kids would play outside and they would play hide and seek and tag and all of that. People walk their dogs. It was super nice. And so anyway, one day after school, it's like 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. My kids are playing outside and I'm sitting on the front step watching them and reading a book and just enjoying the afternoon. Didn't last very long because they all come running back. I have four kids. At the time, my oldest was like eight-ish. And so they all come running back, crying and screaming and, like, losing it. And I'm like, OMG, what is going on? So I bring them in the house, calm them down. Finally, I get them to tell me what's going on. And Kaylin says, the police are coming. And I'm like, wow, wow, we are really ahead of ourselves in this whole thing. And so I asked, well, what do you mean? And she said, the lady down the way, and I knew who she was talking about. You know how you know? Like, you have, like, kind of these nicknames for your neighbors. The lady down the way called the police. I'm like, oh, well, what were you doing? We were playing hide and seek, and she called the police. So I'm mad. I'm so mad. I tell them, calm down. The police are not going to come and arrest you for playing hide and go seek at 3.30 in the afternoon. You'll be fine. But I'm angry. Like, what even? She called the police or even, I mean, I don't, she didn't actually call the police. But she told them she was going to call the police. So my kids are scared. They won't go play outside again. So now we're all inside. And that's not fun. And, and I'm mad, you know? And so I go in the kitchen. And I'm like, I need to, I need to figure out what I'm going to do about this. Like, am I going to write a letter? Maybe I'll write a letter. Or maybe I will go just talk to her right now. I do not like conflict, so that was never going to happen. Um, hence the letter idea. <laughs> And so I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, I couldn't figure out what to do, and I'm so, I'm like stewing, you know? So I go in the kitchen and start cleaning. Anybody else do that when you're mad? Like, oh, I'm just going to scrub this pot. And so I'm cleaning, and then I'm like, oh, I should start dinner. So I start to make dinner, and I'm like chopping and clanging and banging. And Kaylin, my oldest, she's in there, and she's watching me. And she goes, what are we going to do? <laughs> like that, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm making dinner. I don't know. I'm thinking about it, you know? So I'm clanging a little more. She's still watching me. She leans in again. What are we going to do, Mom? And right there, I was like, oh, snap. I don't want her to be like this vendetta for me, you know? And I was so convicted. And I said, I don't know. And then, before I could even think and realize what was happening, I was like, we're going to make her dinner. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Why are we doing that? And Caitlin said exactly what I was thinking. Wait, what? Why are we making her dinner? And I was like, again, before I could think, well, maybe she's had a bad day. 
she could use some dinner. And so we made her dinner, because by now all four of my kids had heard we're making this lady dinner, and now I have to, okay? And so this sounds super pious, but it wasn't. I was not happy about it. Um, I was like, what is happening, God? No. And my kids are like, okay, we're making dinner. And so we make the lady dinner. And I could just leave the story there, but there's actually another part that's kind of funny. So. Um, so we make the lady dinner, and we walk down the walk to give it to her. All of us are going. And she opens the door. She was always angry, okay? Let me just preface with that. Always angry. It was not our first run-in with her. We had seen her at the pool lots of times, and she didn't really like people playing at the pool. So we were not, like, her biggest, she was not our biggest fan, okay? And so we go, and we give her dinner, knock on the door. She opens the door, and she's wearing a scowl, first of all, very angry scowl, and a shortish T-shirt and underwear. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And my kids are little, and they all were like, looking at me, and I'm like, you give them that look, like, don't say a word, fine, you know? And so she says, what do you want? And I'm like, you know what, like, no. And so I just, well, we just wanted to bring you dinner. I'm sorry about earlier, I know my kids bothered you, and so here you go, here's some dinner. And I don't remember what I made. And she said, she just melted. Like, her whole demeanor softened, her face, her facial expression just melted, and she honestly didn't say anything except a simple thank you. She just said, thank you. And that was it. I mean, we couldn't, like, we couldn't stand there anymore. She was in her underwear. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, bye. And so we left. And later that week, I ran into her again, and it was completely different. She had a soft expression towards me. She was kind. Um, she said hello. And I later found out that she had been going through a lot. She was struggling with addiction to alcohol. I thought she was like 85 and she was barely 60. She had some serious health issues. Her family had left her and um, because of her addiction, she had pretty much lost everything. And um, she ended up passing away not even that much later because of her health issues. But I'm so thankful for that moment that I didn't find the loophole because I wanted one. I really wanted a loophole. I didn't think I needed to love the lady who was mean to my kids. But I'm so thankful that I did because A, ultimately, I was able to show her Jesus' love. And B, I was able to teach my kids what that really looks like. You know, that sometimes people don't really deserve it and we still love them. So going back to the tax, I mean the, um, the expert, right, who's asking, he's also looking for the loophole, I can totally relate. And Jesus tells him a story, like I just did. And he tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you've all probably heard this story where the man is traveling and he gets robbed and beaten and left on the side of the road to die. Two people walk by. They don't stop. They don't help him. Another, a third comes, a Samaritan man, and he stops and takes care of him, um, finds him a place to stay and all of that. And Jesus illustrates in this story that our neighbor is anybody. It's not just the person that's like you. It's not just the person that you relate to, and it's not just your brother or your sister and your faith, but really it's anybody. It's anybody that God puts on your path, and especially those who need help, who you can be a light to, who you can show mercy to. Before Jesus died, um, he told his disciples that he was going to give them one final commandment. Not a list, just one. And he said, to love one another as he loved them. And by that, 
people would know that they were his. Jesus gave us a faith and a belief that does something. It's not just a nice sentiment. It's not just a list of rules or a nice book that we read with stories, but it's an active, doing sort of faith. You guys, this is blessing others, blessing outward. That's the sort of faith that we have. A loving others sort of faith. Jesus seemed to think that loving others meant a whole lot. As Christians, we are missing the opportunity to connect with those around us. And I'm not saying that it's our fault when somebody decides not to follow God. That's, it's not our fault. It's, not, it's complicated in a lot of instances, and it's not our responsibility what decision people make. We can't choose that for them. We're not responsible for people's salvation. However, we are accountable for how our actions and our attitudes represent our holy and loving God. We are responsible for that. And I feel like we should most definitely care about that when our actions and our attitudes are pushing people away from Jesus. We should care about that. We're responsible for the image of Jesus that we are portraying to the world every day. So, what do we do? Well, and at the risk of sounding redundant, we love Jesus and we love others. It's so simple. It always comes back to that. He said that all of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. That's it. People were drawn to Jesus in droves because he saw them. He engaged with them. He loved the ordinary people around him. Our faith should be one where we're passionate about Jesus and understanding his word, but always engaging people. God created us to bless outwardly, to not only live in a vertical relationship with him, but also to live in these outward, horizontal relationships with the people around us. Guys, we are the church. We are his church. Not just Foothill Vineyard, we are the church. We are his kingdom. And sure, yes, we bring a friend and invite them to come to the different events and to Sunday service, right? Invite them to be a part of this community. But even more than that, you can go and be this community to them in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, at your school. You can go be the church and be the kingdom to those people. We can choose to love out loud. We can choose to know the people around us, to really see them, to know who they are, what's their story. We can represent our God well. And Jesus gave us a roadmap on how to do this. He lived incarnationally. He literally put on flesh, and he lived in our neighborhoods, and he spoke our language, and he was with us. Did anybody here watch Mr. Rogers growing up? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. So I was only allowed to watch, like, a couple of shows when I was a kid, and it was, like, Little House on the Prairie, Reading Rainbow, Sesame Street, and Mr. Rogers. And so I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers, even though I felt like he was kind of cheesy. I think I love him now more than I loved him then, but that's besides the point. Um, so I read this really fun story about this man named Adam. He's a journalist from Pittsburgh, and he also grew up watching Mr. Rogers. And he tells this story about how one time he was fundraising for his sports team. 
And so he's going around door to door and um, asking for donations for this, this sports team. And he said he had gone street after street after street and honestly was really defeated because he had kept you know, running into like the no, the doors closing, people not really having time to talk to him or listen to him. And he was, I mean, nobody likes to do that, okay? Right? Nobody likes to do that. So he goes around and he go, he's walking up to this one more door super reluctantly and he tries to hide his shock and surprise when Mr. Rogers opens the door. Like the actual Mr. Rogers, okay? And he's like, oh my gosh. So he tells Mr. Rogers about, I think his name is Fred. So we can say Fred. He tells him about his fundraising and what he's working on, what he's trying to raise money for. Mr. Rogers asks him questions. He asks him about the team. He asks him about the sports league and really listens to what he's saying. And so then he answers the questions. Mr. Rogers tells him something he's heard about the team or whatever, and then gives him a donation and he goes on his way. The whole thing was like three minutes. He said it's a super short interaction. But he said in that three minutes, he saw a true Christian love. Now, I don't even know if this writer is actually Christian, but he said that he had doubted his authenticity. And then when he had this three minute interaction with Mr. Rogers, it was all real. He said, it was all real. He showed an interest in what I was doing and in my life. He showed compassion. He, sh he engaged with me. And I love that story because it really, to me, illustrates how simple and easy it really is to just love people, to show that Christian love. Mr. Rogers says, there is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. You guys, we love Jesus, so I would say that we could leave Jesus' love at every meeting with another person. That could be our something. What would happen if we really believed what Jesus said? What would happen if we were like, I wonder if he meant this? Going back to my story earlier, I told you guys about um, how I struggled early on in when I was just asking lots of questions and trying to figure out my faith and my community and all of that. And um, I continued that journey, right? I continued to try to figure it out. And we had just moved to Colorado. And I went to a church because I put my kids in VBS there. It was, it was free childcare. And um, so I go to this church because they were going to sing after I put my kids in the VBS and then they're like, oh mom, we're singing on Sunday. And I'm like, we have to go? Okay. <laughs> so we went. So we went to church on Sunday and um, they sang. And honestly, I don't really remember much of the service, but I do remember feeling God telling me, you need to stay here. You need to come back. And so I'm like, okay, we'll do that. And meanwhile, on the, out, on the other side, right, I'm at school, dropping my kids off at school and I run into this lady. Her name was Amy. And we became fast friends. She was warm and friendly, a lady from Texas, um, just the biggest heart and smile ever. And um, she and her husband, Chris, were on staff at the church that I was reluctantly going to. And so they became this amazing place for my family, this safe space where they invited us in, they invited us to serve, they welcomed us into their home and, and just served our family and loved our family well. And um, and she gave me a place to wrestle 
She gave me a safe space to ask questions, and she didn't pretend to have all the answers. They didn't have all the answers, but they challenged me and encouraged me to dig in and to pray about it and to ask God to reveal himself to me, and I did. And I am so thankful for their impact in my life, the role that they had in that season, because they were the light of Jesus to me. They really were. And imagine if we did that. Imagine if we all were that light in our community. Imagine what your street looks like if, you, if each person who claims to be a believer goes out and truly loves the people around them and says, okay, God wants me to bless outward. Everything hangs on that. Imagine what that looks like. You guys, we could change the world. We really could. I want to close with just a couple of practical ways to apply this this week. Number one, start somewhere. It's re- it could be really easy to walk out the doors today and say, okay, we're going to love everybody because that's what we're <coughs> supposed to do. But then you can, say, you can run the risk of loving nobody. So start somewhere. Make a list. Ask a God to show you who in your life he wants you to love right now. Who does he <coughs> want you to be in relationship with? Maybe it's somebody that you see at work all the time, but you guys never talk about anything more than the weather or your favorite sports team. Maybe it is um, somebody in your life that you know would never step foot in church. They have a story, and they are so against it. Maybe it's that person. Or maybe it's your literal neighbor. Maybe you've lived across the street from somebody for three years, and you always wave, but you don't know their name. It's time for the walk of shame, okay? Go ask their name. Number two, um, ask God to help you see people. Ask him to give you ears and eyes for people, to really know them, to hear their stories, to see through all the mess and all the junk, because we've all got it, and to just see who God sees, to hear and listen to them with your heart, with God's heart. Number three, be a safe place. Think about your interactions with people. Can people trust you? Can they wrestle through stuff with you? Can they ask you questions without feeling judged or or nervous or afraid? Can you be that safe place for them? And we have a bonus one today, okay? Pray for a church. Um, We are, there's, there's a team of us who are working really hard right now and just praying and asking God to show us how we can be all of these things that we've talked about today to our community. How can we be a light? How can we be a safe place? How can we be a place where people can come just as they are and find God? And so I would just love for you guys to pray about that with me. And I'd love to even hear what God's doing in your heart. Okay, so get a hold of me. Tell me what God's, what God's telling you for our church. Can you give? Thank you. Everyone, thanks. That was amazing. And I don't know about you, but my heart has been stirred in a new way. And I sense God's Spirit asking me, How are you representing me out there? And is it grace and love? and goodness and being a blessing and if it's not then something inside needs to shift and change and so um, why don't you guys stand with me as
our ministry team comes up, comes up to the front. Maybe that's you this morning. And I, I, during this last song, I would love for you to ask that question and say, God, how am I representing you in our community? And just let God fill in that blank for you. Let the Holy Spirit kind of fill in that space and, and be able to answer that. And, and for some of you, you're doing an amazing job and God, the Holy Spirit's going to say, yes, just keep going. And others of us, the Holy Spirit's going to say, oh, yep, like, like, let's figure this out together. Let my love and grace flow through you in a brand new way to our community and to our neighbors. And so um, today as we're going into ministry time, here's a couple things that the prayer team this morning as we met and started to pray, we, we sense that God's doing some of these things in your life. And so if that's you and the Holy Spirit's stirring you, we'd love for you to get prayer. Here's a couple of them. One, just be a blessing. And we're not working in, here's the deal, guys. We're not working in our own strength and power. It is God's spirit working through us. And that's a whole different thing because we can try it in a human effort and we do it for about a day. DeBron kind of mentioned this idea like, we, oh yeah, we can try to be really good and love people and it works for about a day. And then the next day happens and then is the spirit of God stirring your heart on a regular basis and we're flowing in God's strength, not our own strength to do this, guys. Because in your own strength, we fail every time. Okay? So if you're called to, to, we're all called to be a blessing, but maybe that's the Holy Spirit stirring your heart. Get some prayer for that. Here's another thing. We feel like somebody's holding back because of how you feel about yourself. There's like some internal brokenness that just needs to be healed up. We'd love to pray for that. Another person might have a wounded spirit and your heart's just broken today. We'd love to pray for you. Um, somebody else, you're worried about your child and that worry has stopped you in many, many ways. And one of the things I realize is God doesn't worry about our kids. We worry about our kids, but God doesn't worry about our kids. And so sometimes we just have to give up our worry over to the Lord. If that's you, um, get some prayer this morning. Um, another person that may feel like you need to connect and renew that love in your heart and soul for God. Um, and I have two more. The last one is just for me, as DeBron spoke, but... The last, second to last one is hold on. If you're here and you feel like you are called to persevere and you feel like you're having a hard time persevering, you're having a hard time to be determined to move forward, we'd love to pray for that because God wants to, his spirit to encourage you this morning to persevere and to push on. And the last one is, as Devon spoke, that loophole Christianity thing. If that's you you're constantly looking for the loophole to like let the message of Jesus not permeate the entire being. And so you see a situation and you're like, oh, that's a loophole situation. And here's why. All you loopholers out there, and I'm including myself, it's time that we say, God, no more loopholes. We're all in. We're all in. 
And so take us there today. No, no more loophole Christianity, people. Like, it's time that we just say, we just say yes. God, we're all in. We're 100%. We're all in. And maybe that would be your declaration. God, I want to be 100%. Okay. Um, let's sing this last song together. If you want prayer, prayer partners are up front. And uh, let's sing, get some prayer. We'll have our closing benediction, our closing prayer in just a moment. For those of you that are going to join us for Vineyard 101, when we dismiss, just go directly to room nine and we'll start that out. Holy Spirit, come. We love you, Jesus. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come everywhere. Let's sing. <laughs>